But the key ultimately was the actors, because if you don't have actors that can, that, that the music is coming truthfully from, that they're not breaking out in song and dance. I don't think, I don't believe mu the best musicals aren't ones that <clears throat> you're just putting an outfit on a story. You are using the power of music. Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America. Today's episode takes us behind the scenes of director John M. Chu's new musical drama, In the Heights. Adapted from the hit Broadway production, the film tells the story of a likable, magnetic bodega owner named Usnavi in the tight-knit community of Washington Heights, who saves every penny from his daily grind as he hopes for a better life. But when he inherits a fortune, Usnavi discovers he has mixed feelings about closing his store and retiring. In addition to In the Heights, Mr. Chu's directorial credits include the feature films Crazy Rich Asians, Step Up to the Streets, and Now You See Me Too, the feature documentary Justin Bieber Never Say Never, and a segment of We the Economy, 20 short films you can't afford to miss, and episodes of the television series The LXD, The Legion of Extraordinary Dancers. As a film student in 2002, Mr. Chu was recognized by the DGA Student Film Awards for his short film, Guaylo, The Little Foreigner. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in New York, Mr. Chu spoke with fellow director Nisha Ganatra about filming in the Heights. Listen on for their spoiler-filled conversation. We're in a movie theater. How great. So nice to be back. I know, a real life movie. What a, first, what an incredible feat. I mean, what a beautiful film. It's so moving and so visually stunning. And just oh, thank congratulations. You. Thank you. You can't see my face, but I'm smiling. <laughs> Any applause? I'm like, yes, thank you. Um, I had the pleasure of seeing it last night at the Tribeca Film Festival oh, on a big screen in Battery Park outside. The sound was excellent, don't worry. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was very worried. Battery Park, a movie, oh, and a musical. Oh, gosh. But it was fantastic. Everybody was smiling and laughing out loud. And Great. so together, it was our first, you know, movie experience together since the pandemic started. And it was, you know, people were just smiling the whole way home. It was really a beautiful way to just open New York City and welcome everybody. Everyone felt so much joy as every frame of your film is just overflowing with joy. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I, yeah. I'm so glad. I, I didn't want to know how it was at Battery Park. I was like, I'm just going to ignore. And so it's good to know that it, it worked there. It was fantastic. Okay, so because we are Director's Guild and normally you would all be asking questions, um, I'm just going to hope that I ask the ones that you hope that <laughs> you Sounds would be good. asked. Sounds good. Um, but what, one of my you know favorite questions is, as directors, we all have those scenes that were really, really hard to pull off, but mm -hmm. nobody would ever know it from your watching it. Um, what was the scene that you were so proud of that you're like, wow, you know what? That doesn't even look like amazing, but this is how hard it was. And I'm so glad we got it. Uh, I mean, every time we finished a, a sequence, we'd be like, yes, we got through. And then we'd see the next one be like, oh no, we have that one coming. Everything was, was so much. But um, I mean, I think the opening I feel really proud of because it took us the whole shoot to get. I mean, there's so many pieces. Yes. Um, in the community chorus, there are uh, people from the neighborhood that are actually do those jobs that we got to be in our movie. Um, there's lots of like Easter eggs of, of Luis Salgado, who's in the original Broadway cast. He was in my first movie, Step Up to the Streets, and he's the one who brought me to uh, see uh, In the Heights, uh, over, you know, in, I don't know, 2009. Um, and, uh, and we, I, he wasn't supposed to be in that section. I hadn't seen him for a while. 
But the night before I went to a show on Broadway and I was in the subway and he was standing next to me. I was like, Louise? He's like, John? I was like, I'm doing the, the In the Heights movie. He's like, I know. I'm like, we're shooting the, this thing tomorrow. You need to be in it. He's like, okay, I'm down. And so he's like, make, he's like uh, in, the, in, in the truck making the food in the beginning. And so there's weird things like that that happen throughout the movie. Uh, but that was, um, you know, we're introducing every one of our characters. It has to have like a pace and a beat to it. We have to get into building the audience up to understand that this is a musical, but we're going to try to keep it as real as possible. But we still, you know, the manhole cover can still spin like a like a turntable. And we're not going to go that far yet, but we'll give you a little hint. And uh, and we get back to that later. And uh, there's a lot of late relationship plot stuff that we had to get through. But the ultimate thing for me was that it was showing a community, painting this community of um, that take care of each other, that work hard. That you know, I grew up in a Chinese restaurant in Northern California. I'm not from Washington Heights. I'm not Latino, um, and but what I recognize in the neighborhood, what I recognize in Lynn's piece and Kiara's piece on stage, um, was what it like to grow up in a, a, a with with in an immigrant family. Um, um, I came from a big family and. And, and, and everyone took care of each other. Um, my abuela Claudia was my boo-boo who mm. taught me how to make dumplings and would do the books for the restaurant and use her abacus. You know, So those sounds, the food, the language of love that wasn't necessarily words, I, I recognized. And so to put that into this opening, is, I always call it like, this is our circle of life. This is like showing how it all works and everyone, uh, and, and everyone it, it works because everyone takes care of each other. Um, that was, that was uh, I was very proud of that. And at the end shot, we pull out, usually in a musical, you like pull out to see the whole block. And this one, we see everybody, but we start to push in because we could pick anybody's story on this block. There, it's gonna be, it could be a movie. But we pick this one dude who owns the bodega on the corner and he's amongst the best dancers and he's doing it just as hard. And we're gonna show you his hopes and his dreams. And it's as important as any lead character in a movie you've ever seen. And we're gonna take you to fantastical places because that's what happens when you dream in your bedroom and think about what's beyond your windowsill. That's, uh, you brought up like so many things about it just being a relentless pace of just, I could see you being like this sequence. Oh my God, now we have the sequence. Yeah. How do you, when a movie just is sort of crescendo, crescendo, like just moves like this, how do you find that in the editing room? Because I was thinking, oh, yeah. did you have a quiet moment? You had one song. And then you yeah. kind of had to get back on the, on the yeah. release. Well, the good thing is they're all different from each yeah. other. You know, one of the first things we came in when we, when we were building the thing was, what is a musical to us? You know, every, every person who makes their own musical has their own interpretation of what a musical is or why you people break out in song. And, and for me, um, working with a lot of dancers, street dancers over the years, poppers, breakers, flexors, that what I found is that their dance is out of a necessity of expression. Like it is a language in itself and they're telling a story in every move. They didn't get trained because they took a class. They, they got the VHS tape and watched it over and over until it broke and they came up with their own moves. And, and for me, um, putting that type of diversity in terms of dance in this was really important. So we, we extended and so that philosophy of like dance isn't performance for you to like clap at dance is to, to express a frustration or a yearning or happiness or whatever it is. And then the song on top of it does the lyrics do that as well. The melody does that. Can you extend that to the environment you're in? Can it, you, if, if it gets frustrating in the room, every, every actor could 
choose how they want to express. If the chair flips over on its side and dance, dances away, then that's the way we would do it. We wanted to give ourselves permission to do that. So every uh, number we just tackled individually, um, even as simple as, well, it's not simple, but champagne the, um, was, was, that was a one -er in a real apartment building. That's <laughs> the width between you and I. It was really tight. Uh, they're live singing. And so there's a piano outside on the street. They have earwigs in. Uh, we had to hide all the lights so there's no camera shadows. We had to minute, we had this choreography of not just them, yeah. but of the frame itself of the of, of our steady cam guy in tight spaces. Um, <clears throat> and it was uh, and and our actors, really, they were very vulnerable. There's nothing I could do to help them. They had to be able to go from dialogue to singing and moving and hitting marks so that we wouldn't run into them to yelling at each other to a kiss, their first kiss, mm. that, it, that had to be, you know, cinematically beautiful. Um, and all those pieces had to work together. And that was, that sort of, def, um, that just sort of defines our, our crew. That we had, we were always in communication. Everyone's a storyteller and everyone's adding on iteratively. So uh, what your question really is, uh, just one step at a time and just kept looking. Just, Do you just remember how many takes that was, that one? -er? Yeah, that actually, there wasn't that many. I mean, they could only sing so much before their voices yeah. got shot. So <clears throat> it was 12. Wow. And I believe that take was number nine. Amazing. Yeah. And they, I would say we didn't just have one. I think we had two that were uh, rock solid. Heartbreaking in the editing room to go, this one, no, that one, no, oh, this we, one. Oh, <laughs> man, we went back and forth a long time. Because also the, the number before, when the sun goes down, uh, with the rotating building, we had this yes. giant side of a building that they, they danced on, and, and we knew that we needed to keep not, we didn't, we couldn't cut away. We needed to see the transition of the gravity in real time to know that they're not faking it. And that was, um, that was part of the magic trick. We had to do it at the beginning and we had to do it at the end when it comes back so that they can do, do things and lean certain ways where the gravity was and then slide down the building that lands just perfectly. So that was like <clears throat> logistics. That was a lot of money to build that rig. Yeah. That was um, the, our actors, again, no dance doubles. So they're very vulnerable. They're not dancers specifically. Yeah. They had to step their game up. They have to also be singing. And um, uh, that was not live singing, other live moments. Um, and uh, there's a lot of things you can trip over. And there's like a lot of pieces to that. But, um, but those long openings and, close, those, and, and the closing of it, um, that was important for us. And so everybody was always had a new challenge in front of them. Um, but the key ultimately was the actors. Because if you don't have actors, that can that that the music is coming truthfully from, that they're not breaking out in song and dance. I don't think I don't believe mu the best musicals aren't ones that <clears throat> you're just putting an outfit on a story. You are uh, using the power of music. That's why we we are obsessed with music. That's and 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 music comes from a place of vulnerability. And so everyone had to find where the source that it that it would rise from, and we would adjust uh, the movement. And we'd address, adjust the music according to how that actor wanted to do it. Even on the day, if they were like, you know, we choreographed this whole thing for you to get up these things. And they were like, I don't, it's not working. All right, then how would you do? I would just walk up. All right, then walk up. Um, okay. And then, you know, I would just talk those words. Okay, let's just talk those words. Forget the thing. Let's do it. Let's go live. So then they would put it in the mic and do all that stuff. And we were constantly being, we had the ability to change whatever we needed to at that moment 
Um, and, and we rolled along like that. Um, it was always the performance first. That speaks so much about your crew and how you work together to like be able to change into live on the moment and then back to pre-record. Yeah. I, I love that you brought up the building because one thing that I loved about this movie, being a fan of all of your movies and, and knowing your work, is that every film you do, I see a little thing you got from the previous it's, film. It's so true. this feels to me like a nice, not culmination, but yeah. a nice uh, coming together of all of the little things you've learned and all the big things you've learned yeah. and all the tricks that you can dazzle us with you yeah. put all together for us in this so yeah. when that when that building started to go i was like oh my god here we go you know and so i definitely um, learned uh a lot through these years i've been yeah. around so and yeah, i you've and done I, a lot you've seen me grow <laughs> up through my movies um <laughs> the yeah it, i really believe that the industry did um i did grow up in front of an audience um not me personally but my work did and when I got discovered in, in college by doing a musical and Steven Spielberg saw it and I got my first movie from that and I had this like moment of, and, and, and um, I won the lottery basically. I didn't know what I was doing. I, didn't, I only PA'd on like one music video before that. I didn't make an independent movie or I made like student short film. I had no idea what I was doing. I had ideas and I could pitch the hell out of it in a room. Um, so when you win the lottery, the problem is you don't know how to win again. You just <laughs> accept it and you're like, oh God, now what? Until this, yeah. this money runs out. And um, in every movie I did, I had to learn, oh, that's coverage? Oh, okay, okay. Oh, oh, oh if, you, if you pay attention to the big, crazy uh, logistics, then you lose the moment. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, wait, they made me cast a, a, a person that's not an actor? Oh, gosh. What can I do? What are my tricks that I can do to help this? Oh, I can only do so much. Got it. And um, oh, and when you work with an actor that really knows, oh, I can let them lead and I can lean into it and I can almost like a dance work with them and, and, and let's tell the story together. Okay, got it. <clears throat> and I, I don't think I had the, um, every movie was iterative in that. Even, even Never Say Never, the Justin Bieber documentary, <clears throat> I learned a lot about editing in that. That was for me, uh, I, I worked with an amazing editorial team. Half were reality editors and half were proper documentary, proper documentary act, uh, editors. And they hated each other. They were like, oh, TV is a medium for beggars. What do you mean? Like every commercial, they're begging you to come back. I'm like, whoa, whoa, that's really aggressive, bro. And then, and then the reality people are like, oh yeah, they're, you know, he's so you know, stuck up in his thing and like people won't sit there, whatever it is. And they hate, oh, Frankenbiting. What does that what does that mean? That's not truth. You can see, you know, if they have one light in their eye, they're telling the truth. Two, they're lying. You know, I learned a lot of things. Um, but what I really learned was uh, get out of the way. <laughs> like, people don't lie. Filmmakers lie. Um, and so sometimes, you know, a relationship between Justin Bieber and his mom, I didn't have to have a talking head be like, yeah, the mom and him, like, have this really complicated relationship. It's like, no. Do one, show them hanging out after... Him, him, him performing, how he ignores her, how she treats him. That's, you get the relationship in five seconds. You see someone on the street, you get that relationship. So mm -hmm. I got a lot of confidence by that. I was like, oh, you can be in the corner of a closet and shoot that moment and it's as powerful as you, if you lit it and put it in a place. So as I got better and better, it was those, those things, even though I love spectacle, I mean, that's, I go to the movies to be like taken somewhere. In the end of the day, what I realized is actually you need to see yourself by the end of this movie. So, um, and that means connection. 
you need to recognize moments. And in, in, in a movie, you can go two inches from their face and they can act like they're telling the truth, but you know they're lying. And you can't do that in any other medium. So these are the lessons I learned over the 10 years. And finally, when I got there, I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I belong here. And I was like, but what am I trying to say again? <laughs> oh, what am I? Oh, I have to know that. Okay. Now I have to make my small independent movie to figure that out. <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe I can't make it small, but I'll find something that's very scary to me. And that's where Crazy Rich Asians and the In the Heights came into my yeah. life. I, I actually signed up for In the Heights before Crazy Rich Asians. Well, the pressure of, you know, Lynn and, and Hamilton and all of that writing on you, because I saw the, the trailers and the ads were like, from the, from the creators of Hamilton. And I was like, no, from the creator of In the Heights came Hamilton. <laughs> but obviously Hollywood's a little bit behind Broadway sometimes. <laughs> and so yeah. I was thinking about that, that pressure of following up your, you know, huge hit movie with Lynn's pressure of like, oh, my God, this is my follow up now to Hamilton. Yeah. But the two of you together must have just felt the weight of the world. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> in a way, I, I'm so grateful that I signed up for both of them because I was in the same headspace of trying to find stuff that only I could tell. Like only I knew I could bring, I could convince the studios to spend the money to do a spectacle uh, because I'd made them enough money at this point. Yeah. Um, and I knew only uh, I could do Crazy Rich Asians and do it in a way that I thought could pop, uh, that we could do it because I... I at least for me, my lane was, I, we want, I, no matter what, want to entertain the hell out of people. Like that, that's how I fell in love with movies. I love events. I love where everyone has to crowd in and you got to see it and, and they laugh and they cry and some people hate it and some people love it. Like, I love that. Did you have a favorite scene in, uh, in, in the heights that was your favorite to direct and pull up? Um, I mean, champagne was the most, um, where we all really had to hold hands and figure it out together. Um, but uh, at 96,000 was the logistically hardest one because 500, 600 extras, water. You so don't, You don't make it easy. You're like, you know what, and I'm going to add a pool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're going to put big electrical lights all around it? Hope no one gets electrocuted. <laughs> I hope everyone knows what they're doing in this crew. Uh, oh, and you need towels so they don't get uh, hypothermia? Oh, okay, let's get them towels. Oh, no, no, you need multiple because they get in and get out and then they need to stay dry. Oh, then you got to have enough dryers for all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, you want barbecue? Oh, you got to have a fire department here. Okay. Uh, what, like, it's just, oh, ages, you want kids? Great. So you got a five-year-old and an 80 year old 90 minutes. <laughs> it was like a lot. But, you know, everyone's fighting their way through it, you can tell. Um, and it makes, it gives it that, that, that thing. Um, but my favorite thing to shoot was Carnival de Barrio. Oh, nice. Uh, we had one day to shoot anything there, everything there. Wow. And we did it and it was a rush. Wow. We ha only had that courtyard. It's in Washington Heights. They could do, it's like eight minutes of screen time. Um, and, but they could do it almost all live. And so I broke it. I went to sh block shoot. So, you know, when we block shoot, it's like, it's crazy. It gets confusing sometimes, but I had to keep it in my head. Like I'm me and maybe one other person knew what we were doing at any one moment or uh, what we were getting. And did we have the, enough coverage for it? Um, but it was our whole cast in there and people from the neighborhood were hanging out the windows and, and it's, it's that song. So everyone has their flag. And so it's real moments that are happening. Even when I call cut, Everyone keeps jumping up and down and they're chanting, New York, New York. I'm like, what's going on? The crew's jumping up and down. And there's one moment where Lynn is up on the fire escape. He looks down and everyone looks up at him and they start chanting, Lynn, 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 Lynn. And he's trying to hide. He can't go anywhere because the camera's up there with him. 
And so he just starts to cry. And he's looking down at everyone because he manifested this. When there was no role for him, he decided to write a role for him. When there's no roles for his community, he wrote a role for his community. And now look at these hundreds of people that are working because of him. And more than that, they know you can dream that big. Mm-hmm. And that was like the most, it was like a laser beam from the moon hitting this courtyard in Washington Heights. You could hear that echo blocks away. Uh, that's, that's when I knew we had something special. It was bigger than us. And I was just trying to like get things in a basket at that point. That, that's a really beautiful and moving story. I love that you went on location and that you weren't like, mm-hmm. I'm going to build this. I'm going to, Trust me, I was like, maybe we should build this. They were like, no, (laughs) we got to go there. So I came up through indie film, so I'm always like, I'm not afraid of small spaces. I can shoot in there. Just (laughs) find me a DP who's not afraid of the small space, too. And it sounds like you found an amazing Steadicam operator who was not afraid. Yeah, Mark was great. Um, And um, we gave him the champagne bottle at the end of the champagne. (laughs) We, We called him in. And we and and Lynn had this bottle from I forget what year I think the year that they sold the movie or something. He's like I had this we, to always pop the champagne when we did this this shoot and we popped it and all drank together and it was just like five of us who were who could be in that room at that time and and um, and, and had a drink and then uh, and gave that to him. So he he was tired after that. <laughs> it was really to make sure that he wouldn't sue us for his shoulder. No, he was he was great. He was great. Did you always, I have one sort of nerdy question about the VFX, did you always plan on, because that was a surprise when they were walking down the street and then I started seeing the lines on the screen. I was like, oh, here, you know. Well, like for 96,000 in the beginning? Uh-huh. Yeah, we, uh, I, in fact, there was supposed to be it all over the pool. I, was with, I wanted to have this thing where we could see their, the art, like hand-drawing art of each of them. So it was like a sketchbook of their dreams. But it was too much when we actually put stuff in and it felt um, it was taking away from what we actually had. Um, and so we, uh, so we said, let's just do the beginning because it's really choreographed for all that yeah. stuff. Um, and we had a different version of, a, of the art that they would be doing. It was much more colorful and just seemed like a little bit, it didn't seem unique enough. They, their language, it seemed like we were taking Instagram language and putting it on them. Mm-hmm. And so we started exploring, well, okay, Graffiti Pete is there. He talks about the spray cans in the beginning. Let's do a spray can um, language with that. And let's use like imagery that you see in street art and graffiti art that, that should be those things. And so, and there was one line in there. Well, there's the Trump line that we replaced with the Tiger Woods line, but that's been done on Broadway. So, but I don't think a lot of people, that was changed a long time ago. But there's one line where it's like, um, I got more hose than a phone book in Tokyo. And I was like, Lynn. I don't think that's not even a Tokyo like you wouldn't even that's not a Japanese last name so we got to change that he's like all right let me come up with something and he came up with I got more flows than Obi-Wan Kenobi yo and I was like that's awesome let's yeah. do that and so he has that like lightsaber. Awesome lightsaber yeah we had to get the sound from Lucas film this awesome and everyone was down so Amazing. Yeah, the sound design was really, I mean, what a great team post and yeah. production, it sounds like. I had Lou Goldstein over here and John Marquis that I worked for many, uh, worked with many, many years. So, uh, but Lou, Lou, Lou is, I'm, I'm sure people know Lou in town. He's like, he's like the man. He likes sleep. He'll sleep in there. It's his facility. So like, <laughs> I love him. Even at the premiere the other day in Tribeca, <laughs> I'm sitting and I'm watching it and it's at the levels but it's a, you know, it's the palace, so it's a big place. And I was like, oh, it's a little soft. Do I walk all the way up this alley, like all the way up the aisle to tell somebody to turn it up? And then all of a sudden it like went up. And I was like, oh, I think maybe it was just my ears. Okay, this is great. And then at some point I was like, I have to go to the bathroom in the middle. So I like left. And what, as soon as I walked, Lou is on the stairs, like sweating. Because he had to go. <laughs> I was like, Lou, did you turn it up? He's like, 
hell yeah, I turned it up. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to be happy. I was like, thank God. He's like, but the projector is like three floors that way. I was like, so those are the type of people I love to work with. People yeah. who like care. People spend all night um, and are kind people. Like that, that's who made this movie. You can feel their heart. We put everything into it. Can you talk a little bit about the casting? Because I feel like you just launched 100 careers in this movie. I mean, just beautiful movie stars that mm -hmm. we just, you know, haven't seen or have seen a little bit, but didn't see this way. And mm -hmm. um, also one of my favorites, Stephanie Beatrice, who every time she came oh. on screen, everybody would just start laughing Stephanie. even before she spoke. She just yeah. lights up the screen. But um, yes, all of the main cast, I mean, everybody you found yeah. was stunning. They they are stunning and they have so much more to give. So um Crazy Rich Asians was a great experience. Again, I had to fight for more time and resources to casting. I mean, that was, a, I think at that point, Warner Brothers was like, this is the most we've ever spent on casting. I'm like, hell yeah, it is. Because you, there's no system that supports this. Like, there are no lead actors because there are no lead roles. So we have to find them. They don't have, some may not have representation or they're not sending them to us. Like, who knows? So we had to do a lot on there. So coming and then and we won on that one. We saw our cast take off. How did off. you do that? Because I hit that system all the time where it's like, well, these people aren't in the system. So what were your mm -hmm. tricks for getting them? Well, the, the thing that helped us a lot is when we went to Warner Brothers, at that point, um, we had a bidding war. And and one of the priorities, because we knew that this was going to be an issue, was you have to give us the resource to do the casting right. And at that point, people were already speaking up online. People already were checking out. Yeah. I was like, you, and we said it out loud in the pitch room. If you guys are actually saying in your press releases you're for diversity, these are the steps you need to take. Casting. I know that's the easiest place you can save money. Just like not do it right. But that is what this movie is all around. You've got to cast it right. Um, so we, we, we got that up front. And for this one, oh, that was, that. you bet your ass, that was the first thing we went in there with. And uh, also it helps that, uh, Lynn at that point had this thing called Hamilton. And so he had a lot of power and uh, we could get final cut. We could get final casting. We wow. could get, uh, we could choose the date of the uh, release. Uh, these were all up front before we ever even entered the gates of Warner brothers. Wow. Um, and because we had worked together, Warner brothers trusted us. So um, that was, that was how that, and so, and so this cast, uh, we went a long time. I think it was even longer than Crazy Rich Asian, but that's only because we started also when we were when we were at another company before. And um, what? What? How did you sign on this first? But then, how did that movie go before this one? Or is that? Yeah, I signed onto this one first, but it took a long time. It was um, we were with Harvey, uh, and uh, that take that you know sometimes that takes a while before he decides to call back, uh, and before uh, you know things happen. So then, uh, and so at that point, I was like, "Well, Crazy Rich Asians is going now," and so they didn't have to wait for me, but I, uh, like Scott Sanders and Mary Jacobs, a producer who brought me on, were like we got you. We're going to wait for you. I, I kind of thought it was bullshit, but they did. They waited two years for me and it came back and then we went to work. I didn't have to worry about what happened after crazy rich Asians, you know, it worked. People were happy and I was getting scripts, but I didn't have to read any of them. I was like, I'm already working. So this is good. It helped me really stay focused. And we went to work here. And then, um, so then when, when Harvey, all that went down, then it was like, we got to get, we got, as it was going now, we're like, we got to get out of here. And we got out and it saved the movie. Absolutely. Because we would have had to make, we were being forced to make a different movie. Oh, yeah. I said, okay, now we have, now it's ours. 
let's make let's let's put all the stuff back that we said we wanted to do the dream like the big concept was let's, let's take their dreams let's not cut to a golf course let's not cut to them at a mansion let's put the mansion right on the streets of washington heights because that's how you dream you only dream what you know yeah. like when we were growing it was like a billboard of an asian family on an insurance company ad and that that's the american dream and so my head was like oh that's the american dream i put it in the spot that i only i know <clears throat> so this is what i wanted like almost art installations inside washington heights um and harvey was like yeah that's people want to go places they, and when they watch a movie they don't want to do that so i always was like yeah yeah sure harvey we'll figure it out later and then by the time we never we didn't get around to figuring it out later because then it was done with him and when we went and pitched i had i had my boards i was like this is what we're doing fabric's gonna fall from the buildings because she can't cry she's just gonna run but we're gonna feel how she feels that the place with colors and patterns and we're going to feel the weight of that that's one of my favorite moments oh thank yeah, you thank beautiful you. thank you um okay from from one of the fans what yes. happened to sunny benny and nina because <laughs> you fast forward so we found that out. yeah well you know we don't give it a lot of answers for a lot of things um i think that's the point i think usanavi says but but we have a chance right and that's the point of the movie it's like everybody has their own way what's our parents came here with the bags in their hands and they put whatever they thought was worth it in those bags and now it's our turn where are we gonna where are we gonna put those bags and what are we gonna put in it and everyone has a different answer i cannot say what the right answer is collectively we we make the answer even the movie like I'm, we, we make mistakes in the movie we do all, I, what even when i make crazy rich Asians, like we do these things because we're trying our best but we don't determine it it's it's a collective the next movie the next movie we all determine who we can hire who are we allowed to cast is what parts what stories are we allowed to tell who's allowed to tell the stories we don't know the answer yet so it was very important for us that it wasn't about this being a fairy tale he even says like this is not a gift you're given like every generation just pushes a little further gets us closer to that idea that we we believe this place is and uh and every generation sees a little further what the your parents can't and it explains the conflict explains the tension that it's all natural that's what progress feels like that's what change feels like so um so yeah we, i don't know what happens with them but i'm sure it's all the way it's supposed to happen <laughs> beautiful beautiful answer thank you um what about uh since you brought up there were some things was there anything that you watched that you're like ah oh, i wish i could have done it that way or i wish i could have done it this way just as you know directors watching their own movies yeah. you're always like ah oh, that one scene i wish i got that one shot yeah all the time you should try a pandemic. Yeah. You can sit there a long time. Movie. We were done. I mean, we were mixing. And then the pandemic happens, and I was in a mix room here, and my family was back in L.A., and I thought they might shut down the airport, so I, like, I got out. And um, when we are home, they're like, okay, so we just got to do the mix. We can do it remotely. I'm like, we can't, what? We can't even think straight right now. Um, so then we were like, okay, let's just chill. And I had the, cop, I had the, had the cut of the movie. Every time I looked at the movie, I was like, well, that's a little long. Okay, I can, I can, I can make that shorter. Okay, I can make that shorter. I can refine that. And, and, then, and then we used um, Evercast with uh, Myron Kirstein, our editor. And, uh, and we made a couple trims. Usually the studio will never allow you to have those drives. But in this case, we did. And it was great. We were able to take a year to just yeah. make these little trims. And our mix, we got like an extra month and a half, which was huge for a movie like this. Because yeah. we have a lot of debates of like, 
where the dialogue is versus the sound effects versus the music. And we all had different philosophies of that. I wanted to hear the door open when he said a lyric. But other people were like, if you do that, you, you have to hear the lyric. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's life. This is like real life. Um, so we had to have all those debates and that took a lot of time. So anyway, the pandemic, in the end, we were allowed, we, it gave us time to sit and, and tinker. And um, anytime we wanted to spend more money, we could just blame it on the pandemic. <laughs> Another trick from John. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of tricks over these years. So that's the real thing. It is a beautiful movie. Uh, it's really moving. And I already know it's going to be a huge, huge, huge hit. It already is. Thank, um, you. thank you for spending the time with us. And thank you for giving us this beautiful film. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, The Director's Cut is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for future episodes featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of their latest films and insights into the craft of directing. And be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow film buffs find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally. 